0: This is a more than just podcast production.
1: Welcome to Spotcast Season 6, Episode 31. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Going fine. Now, <laughs> just, now, the just power's fine. been restored. Just <laughs> now, the, now the power's been restored, yes. Anyway. All right, a couple of things in the fact check this week, or one thing in the fact check this week. Uh, we were talking about uh, strange um, things that, that people have done with shows and, and secret tracks and stuff like that, and I was listening to um, Under the Influence podcast, and they were talking about how Wayne's World did a bunch of, uh, Garth and um, Wayne came back and did super bowl commercials right Mm. and leading up to it they talked about you know the really enormous bowl the giant bowl they couldn't for some reason they couldn't say super bowl um and then they had did did a bunch of super bowl ads about getting uber eats delivered and that kind of stuff and then the but the, the thing i wanted to point out is they had a over two and a half hour reel on youtube of them watching the listings of every restaurant that uber eats provides service for oh wow so so the two of them just sitting there watching the things go by for two and then Alice Cooper even comes in the middle and joins them and Yeah. <laughs> nice. So it was kind of a funny sort of weird, you know, media blitz thing. So but I guess I guess you could watch it live. I don't know.
2: Well, I remember the campaign that they did where they, they were doing an Uber Eats campaign.
1: Yeah, it was a couple of years ago, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Right. Okay. And let's move over to the headlines and Jonathan, you're up.
2: Yeah, a a really good piece to lead us off uh, on Variety this week, talking about the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on at Marvel Studios, so uh, home of your favorite uh, shows like Loki, which we'll be talking about later in this episode. And uh, it's an article by Tatiana Siegel that really gets deep into, you know... Everything that sort of happened post-Avengers Endgame, you know, what a lot of people have considered to be sort of the weakest chunk of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, TV stuff, movie stuff, with a few exceptions in there. They do make a point in there that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was a success. They also point out the irony that the person who made that is now running DC Studios. But uh, it's a pretty amazing piece, sort of digging into all these sort of behind-the-scenes things. Uh, It's talking about Jonathan Majors, who, of course, is playing... Victor Timely in this season of Loki played he who remains in the last one, played Kang in uh, Ant Man Quantumania and is supposed to be sort of the central bad guy. And the fact that he's facing uh, assault, uh, uh, domestic assault allegations, and what that's done to change all these plans for, you know, they may have to pivot, they may have to recast. And talking about, you know, the decision to pump out so much content during the pandemic that they were burning out all their VXF. vfx studios to the point where they have now all uh, sort of drawn the line in the sand and all the vx uh, vfx artists have all unionized and that's a, an unprecedented thing so it's a really deep dive into just where we're at and how we got there for the mcu and it does even mention in there that um the marvels which is the next movie it's coming out i believe next week uh saying that it's you know it's been plagued with problems they had to try and figure out how to bring all these stories together and how uh, they're not anticipating it's going to do very well and yeah it's really interesting look at uh, how we went from this sort of can do no wrong era from 2009 to 2019 and now we're in the can do no right era of marvel where uh people you know they set such a high bar and uh it even mentions in here that there's been some discussion of trying to find a way to bring back the original six Avengers for a film just because the fans would respond so well to that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really, really uh, interesting piece. I highly recommend we'll have it in our show notes. Just give it a look, but uh, really digs into, uh, yeah, some, some real problems and some real issues. Apparently, one of the, the things I found really interesting was... The She-Hulk series, which I think we all sort of enjoyed but didn't, you know, blow our feet, blow socks off our feet, uh, apparently cost more money per episode than Game of Thrones. Wow. (laughs) $25 Mm. million
1: per episode. Just because of the the effects. Yep. The effect.
0: Wow. Yeah, they had a lot of She-Hulk. Like, you know, if they went like an entire episode without her turning into She-Hulk, maybe. Yeah. You know, Uh, like if you count up, you know, Bruce Banner as Hulk, it's. Not that long. It's like five minutes of VFX or something, you know, just creatively spread out. Whereas this one, uh, she was purposely a big part of the show as the shield. So um, I can I can see why it would cost a lot. I had no idea it would cost that much.
2: Yeah. And it's not all doom and gloom. It does uh, this. You know, I'm not going to spoil the ending of of an article, but it does point out that, you know, while things have not been as. Uh, you know, stellar, as I think everyone has hoped from the Marvel side, they do have Deadpool 3, which is going to be the first one in the MCU. It's going to bring back Hugh Jackman. A lot of people are looking forward to that. They now have acquired all the rights to Fantastic Four, X-Men, and all that, which I think a lot of people are looking forward to the reboot of that. And, you know, there are lots of things that they can play with that can get them back on top. But uh, it's just interesting that it was such a huge, long run of success. You know, one of the things that's mentioned in here is the fact that, you know, when you saw that red block Marvel logo crawl across your screen on a movie, you knew you were getting a quality product, and that has been kind of
0: diminished, and I, yeah, I thought that was pretty fair. Yeah, for me, I feel like, you know, I, I, for one thing, they actually, even though it's an unfortunate situation with um, with Majors, like, it at least is a character that's fairly easy to recast because of the whole multiverse thing. Oh, he looks totally different. He looks like Don Cheadle in this one. You know, like yeah. you do that sort of thing. Um, the other stuff kind of feels like a bit of an unforced error. So you did mention the VFX folks who were overworked, but it was made even worse because they would, like, arbitrarily change stuff, Yeah, right? Like, oh, well, this one's going to be earlier. It's like, well, dude, <laughs> we haven't even started on that one yet. Like, we're we're halfway through this one. Like, this one needs to ship should have been the answer, right? Find yep. a way thematically for it to ship. Yeah. Um and I also agree that um they got a little too far into the oh you had to keep up with every single property to know what's going on. And I think I prefer it as you enjoy it more the more you've been following along, but it's still independently understandable without having to have that. So the the article talking about like, yeah, who's gonna know the Marvels, like, yeah, Captain Marvel's literally the only one that anybody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know Rambo, nobody's gonna know Ms. Marvel, like unless you're super deep into it. I'm talking like average person on the street, right? Yeah. Um, and so they really just need to come back to the basics and not do, um, I really don't think they should do a, oh, let's bring back the original Avengers. Like, no, no, that's a DC thing. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. They, they, they panic and scramble, like stick to what you do. Just get back to what you do best. You, you got a little far astray off of the pattern that you, uh, you had established in the first early phases. Yeah, and I wonder how much of this is hubris. You know, I
2: wonder how much of it was just the thought that they, coming off of of just an absolute, you know, run of all time, and we're talking about you know movie history. Like very few things have ever been successful for as long as the MCU's run of you know eleven years of just cranking out hits after hit after hit after making billions and billions and billions of dollars. I wonder how much of it was just the thought. That, you know, we can do anything we want and people will follow along. Oh, we'll make an Ant-Man movie and that'll be a hit. We can make anything. Oh, we can make Guardians of the Galaxy movie and people will watch that. We can make anything. And then now people are like, uh, stop scraping so much of the barrel, please. Give us more of the characters mm-hmm. we like, the mm-hmm. actors we like. I turned a bunny and
0: a twig into stars.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this, they did the same thing with the talking raccoon and the tr- talking tree, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean going into that not knowing anything about those I kind of thought what is up with that
2: yeah. No I I remember talking to you Tim about uh when they were going into phase 2 and they had announced you know some of the stuff that they were going to do and they were going to roll out yeah Ant-Man and Guardians and you were just like the what now? <laughs> and yeah. thinking like, even I thought like, woof! they really, they're pushing their luck here a little bit. And, you know, if you told me then that they were going to do, you know, Shang-Chi and the Eternals and, you know, uh, some of the sort of bigger swings that they've taken, I would have been like, mm. you're out of your mind. But, you know, and to be fair, some of those worked. I thought Shang-Chi was a pretty tight movie. is a little heavy on the VFX, but I thought Simi Lu was great. And, you know, but then I thought Eternals was pretty terrible. So, you know, you just yeah. never know, right? Speaking of the MCU, we got news today that uh, we got our first look at the Echo trailer. So this is the spin-off from the Hawkeye uh, Disney Plus series. So this is the character uh, who is um, she's an indigenous uh, American and she also is um, she is deaf and she is missing one of her legs. And this is true of both the character and the actress. And uh, we weren't sure what was going to come as far as timing of this. We initially, I think it was supposed to come out end of this year. We weren't sure when we we're going to get the timing on this. They so they dropped the first trailer, which is uh, you know pretty heavy on the action. We get some Kingpin in there, so we get Vincent D'Onofrio back playing, of course, the Kingpin. We mm-hmm. if you blink and you miss it, I don't blame you, but we did see uh, Daredevil in the, in the uh, Netflix black and uh, red suit in one scene fighting. Uh, so that's interesting but most interesting is the fact that all the episodes are dropping simultaneously on january the 10th now uh jaime will explain why in a minute but it's pretty interesting given the delivery method that we have seen on disney plus of dropping things one week at a time but this isn't strictly speaking just
0: a disney plus show right jaime yeah. So the next article we've got here ties right into it. In a first, I'm just going to read the title here from The Verge. In a first, Marvel's Echo is coming to both Disney Plus and Hulu at the same time. So I'm going to assume that's largely only for Americans and a handful of other countries that have that weird split between Hulu and, and Disney Plus. I know you all have your your Disney Plus content is inclusive, like Star or yes. something like that, right? Yeah. You just have
2: to make sure you turn your settings to MA so that you can see the mature content. Mm, okay. Okay.
0: Um, and it's, it's weird cause it's like not only all out at the same time, simultaneously all ten. or I don't think they said how many episodes, but all episodes available on January 10th, simultaneously on Disney plus and Hulu. Um, they will be available on Hulu until April 9th and then presumably just continue to be available on Disney plus. So it feels like a bit of a, um, you know, uh, a consequence of, I'm just going to bleed into the next one because it's all kind of related. So Disney is about to own all of Hulu because they're about to acquire the remaining $8 billion stake from Comcast. So folks Hmm. are saying like, well, maybe this is a move to be like, Hey, let's try combining these two resources over time. And it ends up being like a nice little sneak preview of like, Hey, do you subscribe to Hulu? Maybe you might want to try the Disney uh, bundle kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they decide to move forward that obviously we, we sort of get the amalgamated version up here. Although some of the content that is Hulu first in the States comes later for us. We talked about how I met your father and some other products. Although Futurama, which. Re debuted on Hulu came same time uh, as it did here in Canada as it did in the United States. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to sort of use that power of those two things. Or I wonder, I wonder, wonder if they amalgamate down the road. Just this is their way of saying, well, you like all this content. Now it's all over here. And by the way, it costs more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, For the trailer itself, I was, uh, I found it kind of interesting that it starts out in sort of a, you know, you should probably be team kingpin for this one, right? Like you see yeah, right. you see a little echo getting uh not treated too well and uh Mr. Kingpin going and just learning that guy a lesson or two. Yeah, a pretty bloody lesson, yeah. That that was the part that struck me was just uh it
2: it seemed Netflix level violent compared to what we've primarily seen on the, the MCU on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely, it uh, 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 seemed a little more mature and a little darker than than maybe we've seen so far, although they certainly have gone there a little bit in some of these uh, these Disney Plus shows.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So have we talked about this Disney and Hulu thing, or? Yeah, it's that's like all that. sort of mixed. These three stories are sort of all mixed together, right? They're oh, all kind okay. of the same thing. Uh, I just looked it up, it's five episodes, so they're dropping five at once on January 10th. Mm. Oh, okay, there we go. So it's not – I mean, obviously, you don't know what what that means for runtime, if they're an hour apiece, if they're 45 minutes, if they're 35 minutes. But, yeah, that's still – it's it's an interesting delivery method. It'll be interesting. I mean, I I don't know how you both feel, but I really enjoy the week by week just because, obviously, it gives us content. But it also – it means that uh, we can – pace ourselves out you don't feel like uh, i always thought like the netflix delivery method of dropping everything at once was very challenging especially when it's something like 14 or 16 episodes where you're like damn how am i going to watch all these before everybody spoils everything
1: right and you're going to talk about the Indianapolis 500 coming to Disney Plus?
2: Yes, indeed. Yeah, well, we uh, since we're talking about Disney Plus, uh, a little tidbit dropped uh, as soon as we crossed the calendar into November. They announced that we are one short month away from uh, India- Indiana Jones and the Dial of uh, Desiccation. No, what is it? Dial of Destiny is coming to... Uh, Dial of Depends. Dial of Depends is coming to uh, Disney Plus on December 1st. Um, you know, I'm not super surprised i actually was thinking the other day it's funny i haven't seen any announcements about that and logically obviously that's where it's going to debut i was thinking about that when we talked on our last episode about the fact that um the uh spider-man across the uh spider-verse is coming to netflix soon that we're going to start seeing those summer movies start cracking into some of the streaming services and of course uh, that means you know inevitably we'll see uh, someone near christmas time will probably land barbie and someone will land oppenheimer and there'll be this sort of run of uh, you know the summer big movies that'll that'll start trickling out but uh mm-hmm. I, yeah i mean you know tim i know you went and saw it in the theater
0: i mean i don't know if you saw it i don't think you did no, I've been waiting for this one to come out, and I think based on stuff that came out from Netflix, I'm, I think just this week during Halloween is when uh, Spider Man came out on that service. I'm not not seeing either one, so I was waiting for that one to come out as well.
2: On yeah. There's all, you know, You we always talk about how you vote with your dollars. You know, I didn't feel strongly enough, even though I'm a lifelong Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford fan. I just did not feel like this was a, a big enough sell for me to go see it in the theater. Tim, I know for you it was. Um you know, same with Barbie. You know, I, I I'm very curious to see this movie. It was a very big cultural touchstone this year, and obviously got a lot of good reviews. And I like the director, and I like the performers, and I'm totally going to watch it. I just didn't really feel the need to go and uh, you know dress up and, and go see it in the theater. So yeah, I'm glad that this stuff is starting to trickle out, uh, and then looking forward to watching you know Indiana Jones on his last adventure. Just didn't really feel like I needed to flop down, you know, fifty bucks and popcorn and tickets
1: sure. and everything else yeah. to do so yeah, yeah. i mean i I go see movies because it's a thing to do right so you know kind of quiet here sometimes so um i mean i i, I did enjoy it I don't, I don't think it was a horror i didn't regret seeing it so it was better than to, to me it was better than mission impossible which i guess is not a stretch for you but <laughs> shocker but it was <laughs> i know it was one of the more memorable i mean you know it was he's a memorable character it's kind of interesting to see what what they could what they could do with him you know and his walker and you know his uh shawl and everything like that yeah it was good all right and speaking of movies we were also talking last week this is kind of a follow-up story it's not so much about the killers of the flower moon which is the latest scorsese film um from which i've heard um i i heard somebody say it's not his best film so uh, in spite of the fact that it's got all the all the, you know big names in it, uh, what's interesting from our point of view is we were talking about the length of movies and and how um, these movies don't have. Uh, we were talking about what was it Ridley Scott's Napoleon a couple of weeks ago, right? And it's going to be like a four hour, close or, or two and a half hour epic, but four hour on Apple TV thing, and uh, it, it's getting ridiculous in terms of like how long you're expected to sit in your seat. And and I'm not the type of person who can get up in the middle of a movie and go go to the bathroom. I just don't want to do that, right? Um, but some European theaters have been having uh, planning a six-minute intermission uh, in the middle of the film. And of course, Paramount is, you know, saying, cracking down on them for doing that. The only exception is in the IMAX movies. They don't do that. But so interesting that, that uh, in spite of the way the film is being presented and delivered, uh, a lot of theaters are deciding, screw that, we're going to put an intermission. Like I said, it also gives them an opportunity to sell more popcorn and, and and pops and stuff, right? So that's uh, all about that story.
0: Yeah, I, I totally can understand the, like, well, you know, it's in your contract that you're not supposed to be doing this. So uh, always follow the contract. Um, but that said, it also feels kind of silly that that's the way it is in the contract. Uh, certainly there's, um, you know, the intent of, of the artists, and you want to respect that as well. But, you know, when you're pushing that long, uh, I'll just pick on the quote here. Where does it say? Uh, I want to make sure. Ah, there you go. Uh, this is supposedly a, a quote from Corsese. You know, people say it's three hours, but come on, you can sit in front of the TV and watch something for five hours. It is irresponsible <laughs> for uh, for somebody, whoever it was that got that quote, to not just turn right back around and say, absolutely nobody sits there and stays exactly there for five hours. No. Right? They go and pee because they pause the TV, or yeah. they go during a commercial, or When it's, uh, oh, look, it's the credits and then the intro song for the next episode. Like, that's when you go and pee. So uh, movies don't really have that, although there is, uh, you know, sites where you can go. And I'll just tell you right now, uh, apparently this Killers movie has uh, lots of funerals. So apparently you should go pee every time there's a funeral. Those are your chances. (laughs) Your spoiler-free chances. I feel like, you know, a movie that's called Killers, you should expect to be multiple deaths.
1: So Right. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like, you're watching TV, you're watching a movie, whatever, you po- you pause it to answer that text or that Facebook post or whatever that, you know, interrupted your moment, you know? Uh, in, in the theater, you, generally speaking, people don't have respect and don't have their phones out, but when you're at home, you're at home. The dog comes over, the kids want to ask a question, you know, you reach for the pause button, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's the way yeah. it goes. Anyway.
0: I also feel like intermissions would be an interesting thing to bring back for, you know, the... The fairness to the box office folks, the theaters themselves, who predominantly make their money on concessions. So why not give people an opportunity to relieve themselves of the mega giant gulp or whatever it is they had, and go purchase a fresh one with some more popcorn. Yeah. Next one here is uh, in memoriam. It is entitled "The Microsoft Windows 95 Video Guide" with Jennifer Aniston and Matthew Perry. Uh, so the the sort of the hidden item here is the fact that uh matthew perry passed away at a, a very young what was he 54? 54 yeah yeah bananas uh, yeah. yeah
2: really really sad and and clearly had had a really troubled time all the way back through his career which you know it, you kind of hope people like that will find their peace and uh it's sad that that piece in this case comes with his death
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah so it felt like it was a an interesting time this came up on uh, on the algorithm. This is a, an old-school Windows 95. What are computers? Help me understand how to use this product. Full of that era's 90s cheese, but with a surprising amount of uh, heart of gold from Jennifer Aniston and Matthew Perry, and especially Perry's quips around uh, things like the start menu or the taskbar.
1: Could it be any harder to use?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, no, I- It's like an hour long, but, uh, it feels like only like the first half hour is the the sort of, uh, the sitcom part. Yeah. Yeah. The sitcom part. The other half is just straight up. This is what you would see in a corporate training video. So,
1: yeah. Well, these are the kind of things we used to get with our software back in the day. You would get like this VHS that would come with it and, and you could pop it in and watch it. And that's how, that's how, you know, I mean, YouTube basically has replaced all that with people having, you know, how to videos and stuff like that. But this is pretty common to either, like, even an audio cassette sometimes you would get, telling you how to, you know, work through the menus and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they use some big-name people. Like, Windows 95 was an interesting launch for Microsoft. They got the Rolling Stones to write a tune for it. They got Brian Ener to write the start sound for it, you know, and then, of course, they got people like this. They put a lot of money and effort into, into making sure that people really got the best value for their buck with Windows 95, even though it was a dog, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, like, I've talked about before many times that the, the market, the market share of windows has always been way, way higher than any other platform. They put a lot of effort into it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, explaining how expanding menus, I mean, every stuff that people do now without even thinking about it. Right. Or in fact, we don't even do that stuff anymore. It's so hard to use, but yeah, you know, it's interesting. And don't push the big, big red, big red button, you know, whatever you do.
0: A thing you should definitely not do is misuse an actor's likeness. Uh, and voice um in your ad even if you're an ai generated app developer um you put uh scarlett johansson in your ad and and try to throw in a, a cheap little disclaimer of like oh this is uh this isn't actually hers it's just generated it's like no 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 that that doesn't pass past the muster, buddy. you uh you're definitely liable so for some coin there so this is about uh her uh, uh lawsuit uh, against, uh, an app developer that did that very thing. Yeah, I wonder if this is a tip of the iceberg story.
1: Well, it is. I mean, I was watching um Buffalo News yesterday. On, I think ABC or whatever. Uh, some, you no, know, yeah, somebody in New Jersey. Some high school kids in New Jersey took all their classmate, like female classmate, pictures and generated nudes of them and distributed them amongst each other. yeah yep yeah I mean, yep. and technically that's child pornography, right because you know if you're in possession of it, you're in possession of child pornography, and the fact that you know these the subject matter were young girls, right so yeah, I mean like it's it's that's just you're right, this is just the tip of the iceberg, woof, yeah, keep going on huh, me. Well, I don't know how to transition into the kittens segment <laughs> <laughs> after that.
0: I wasn't expecting that transition, but uh, right. in, I'm going to call it happier news. So if you are on the ad tier version of Netflix, um, they are saying here that in the first quarter of 2024, quote, after watching three consecutive episodes, members will be presented with a fourth episode ad free. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's an interesting trait. <laughs> it certainly helps people binge. It certainly helps them uh, get a little bit of a breather. Um, I've not seen anybody personally using the Netflix ad tier, so I don't know if it's 30 seconds here. So for whatever reason, right, um, all of these streaming services tend to have the, like, tiniest catalog of ads to show. And you would think, whoa, that a bad problem? It's like, well, imagine if you saw the same ad, like three times in a row and you say, you know what, maybe they should just put uh, dead air <laughs> because now I've gone from ignoring this product to uh, vaguely noticing the product. And I've looped all the way around over into actively hating this product, which I feel like defeats the purpose of advertising. Um, I I don't know why it's that way in the streaming world. Uh, I assume there must be um, monetary differences. If you watch traditional uh, sequential media on like broadcast television or cable television, you don't run into the problem. Yes, you will see common ads, but you're not going to see literally the same ad three times in a row in an ad break. So uh, Hopefully Netflix's version is better, and if nothing else, at least you'll get a breather every fourth episode.
2: Hmm. All right, got some quick ones for uh, some TV stuff. Uh, News today that, uh, or this week, that uh, CW's Superman and Lois series will be ending with its upcoming fourth season. Uh, They had already cut it back down uh, the content. They were going to do only 10 episodes uh, starting next year, um, like obviously just in the new year. Uh, but they have decided that this is it. So not an unsurprising move, uh, or not a surprising move, I should say. It uh, seemed like the writing was on the wall for the DC stuff that uh, is out there, and uh, so I guess I'm not super surprised that it's ended. I didn't watch very much past the first season. I don't know if either of you have kept up with it, but but,
1: uh, feelings, thoughts on on this one coming to an end? Yeah, I think I watched the first two seasons maybe, and then yeah, just got lost interest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've, uh, I've liked it. I've not loved it. So it's not, uh, not a terrible thing for it to be ending. Um, I do think they're sort of, um, almost sort of speed running a bit in the like, let's get every, every named character in a relationship kind of mode. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's about time to, you know, when you hit that area of your, of your life cycle, it's about time to end it. And as I've said before, like I'm weirdly less interested in the, Uh, Superman punching something uh, you know like Monster of the Week or the overarching bad guy or gal Um, and I'm really way more interested in like yeah Superman can't punch taxes can he (laughs) how is he going to do this he is not uh, Bruce Wayne he can't just money his way out of this stuff so um,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know if they ever do this sort of take again of like uh, uh, an established Later in his career family driven superman, I would like to see a, ironically a little bit less supermanding uh and a little bit more of like yeah how do how does a person who happens to be a superhero deal with these things yeah
2: well I mean. It's as I say. It seemed like the writing was on the wall for the stuff that was happening on CW. We've already seen the end of so many series. Obviously, you know things like Green Arrow and and Flash and uh, and Supergirl and some of the short-lived series, Batwoman, and things like that. But uh, yeah, it seemed like this one was kind of the last uh, standard bearer, and, and it seems like they want to move a lot of that content over to Max, and they want to move over a lot of that content into the reboot that's happening with uh, James Gunn and uh, and his team in charge. So. Yeah, I'm I'm not super surprised this is ending, and, it, it's, you know, to all good things, right? Next up, uh, we got some news, speaking of Max and HBO, we got some news about some of the shows that uh, I think we're kind of looking forward to, and when we might be able to see them, so... Uh, we got news that the House of the Dragon, which was a, a pretty popular series uh, when it the uh, first season came out, uh, the second season is expected to air in early summer 2024, according to uh, Casey Blois, the uh, the boss over there at uh, at HBO, and they sort of went through the list of things that people are interested in. Didn't really give us a lot of other stuff that's coming next year from them, but really kind of teased ahead some of the stuff that they're working on. And it looks like 2025 is going to be another real big boom of, of content over there. Uh, they're working on production of the next season of Last of Us. is going to be next year, likely coming in 2025 for that. They've greenlit uh, another Game of Thrones prequel called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight, which is based on the... Um, the Dunk and Egg novellas that uh, George R. R. Martin wrote—it's supposed to be uh, um, based on Sir Duncan the Tall and Egg, who is uh, the future King Aegon the Fifth Targaryen—and um, their sort of adventures through the through the uh, the wilds of the, the Seven Kingdoms. Um, they also announced, uh, you know, for for some of the other big shows, White Lotus is coming in twenty twenty five. Welcome to Derry, which is the It prequel, is going to come in twenty twenty five. So. Seems like they're they're kind of loading up for 2025. Not surprising. I mean, we knew that there was going to be a knock on from the writer strike and the continuing uh, strike for actors that was going to probably lead to a bit of a dearth in 2024. But uh, at least we have uh, the next season of, of House of the Dragon to look forward to. Although they did point out that the first season was 10 episodes and the second season is slated to be only eight. So interesting and, uh, choice there. Yeah. And uh, the last thing was just the, the Futurama uh, series that we were talking about earlier on. Hulu has gotten renewed for two additional seasons. So we will be seeing more from Bender and Fry and
0: Leela and the gang. Yeah, good news.
1: Yeah, it's good, good news, everybody. Good it, news. Apparently when right. they
0: did the revival, it was brought back for two seasons. So this is an additional two seasons. Or a total of four. Did I read that right from the article?
2: Yep, I think you're absolutely right, and it uh, and that's obviously you know that's not necessarily being like and then we'll be done. That's just what they've what they've contracted all the performers and writers and everybody for.
1: Right, well, that brings us to the main part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek related. And this week it is Star Trek: Lower Decks, season four, episode ten, Old Friends, New Planet, the ultimate, the finale. Of the season finale. Four. Yes, it's, it's over. Okay,
0: so pitch it. Jaime, you can go first, because i got to pop a Halls. Hang on. I put in, uh, this fourth season of Lower Decks comes to an explosive, earth-shattering finale starring Nick Locarno.
2: Yeah, given the uh, very, very overt uh, references to uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, I went with, uh, welcome to Star Trek II Redux, The Wrath of Locarno. Mm.
1: Wrath of Locarno, yeah. I was going to say, Wesley Wesley Crusher rides again. (laughs) That's a good one. All right. Um, yeah. Interesting one. Interesting episode.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously, the whole season was built around this, you know, the mystery of who was destroying all these ships, which turned out to be who was stealing all these ships, which turned out to be. Oh, actually, it was the lower deckers from all these different alien races working with. Nick Lucarno, of course, which is a deep cut from the uh, TNG series, and then uh, tying that into Mariner's sort of origin story for why she's such a uh, hard butt to want to be staying as the uh, the ensign all this time, even though she's clearly you know older and experienced and probably should be further along in her career. So, yeah, I thought that this as a conclusion to all that sort of buildup was, was not bad. Actually. I, I kind of enjoyed this. This was, you know, very pew, pew, pew for a lower decks episode, lots of action, lots of yelling. Um, but also still didn't skimp on the humor and the heart and all the things we come to expect from it. So yeah, yeah, not a, not a bad way to end a fourth season.
1: Yeah. There's was, was one little quick joke in there too, between, I guess, between Rutherford and Boimler that they were talking, like I kind of felt like going back and rewinding, but I didn't, didn't take the time to do it. And that was, when they, were they talking about the fact that um, Tom Paris and, and Nick Lucarno looked the same? Yes, I, yes. Have, I have
2: that in the quotes. I, I have all those <laughs> quotes in the quotes. Yeah. All right. Cool. What uh, What did you guys have for your pew 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 for this one?
0: I, I think for me, the the Mariner being chased by Nova Fleet uh, had some good pew pew pews. Some pretty good uh, different tropes in there, right around the you know in, being chased by other ships impenetrable barrier having to uh go hide in the there's a lot of debris field uh, having to go hide in the uh i think it's an ion storm in this case but it, it looks like a nebula you know like there's all sorts of uh fun stuff there critically with mariner never as a member of starfleet never taking a shot at any of the uh, nova fleet folks yeah, and that's a pretty
2: important one because that was obviously one of the things the Admiral says at the beginning is, you know, you can't fire a shot at them. Um Right. That scene was per, for me the most memorable because she she steals the uh, the Ferengi Genesis device and straps it into the seat next to her and calls it the first officer and uh, <laughs> and, and it actually starts referring to it as GD, which made me laugh out loud.
1: Yeah, for sure. I like the uh the um using the the big uh, useless Orion ship as a as a battering ram.
2: Yeah, that's what I had too. Is that moment where uh we get we get our first glimpse of Boimler in the captain's seat and it's because uh Freeman is is in the captain's yacht and they're using the uh the giant Orion ship. And they realize it's never going to fly, but they still found a purpose for it. So,
1: yeah. 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 And also the the like um Boimler says, the first time you ever see a captain's yacht in flight, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fun uh, episode for Easter eggs. Obviously, there was a ton of
2: references to Star Trek II, the Mm -hmm. uh, part where she's hiding in the atmosphere of the planet and little Carno is chasing her, obviously very much of the uh, con and... Uh, Kirk playing cat and mouse inside the nebula. From from there, there was a ton of the music cues. Um, when the Genesis device goes off, we see obviously the very much the same echo of the you know the blast rings coming out. Um, there was just there were so many little moments there that were were very uh, homage to Star Trek two in there.
1: So and and so but my first Easter egg was the gardener dude i forgot his name now Boothby, yeah i had that love in there yeah he,
2: he yeah, all you sort of just... catch a glimpse they don't make it overt but it's clearly supposed to be that right
1: yeah and then um wasn't um uh did did wrath of con start at starfleet in san francisco
2: um no it starts with Kirsty alley in the kobayashi maru oh right okay. which is that
1: yeah you're right it's a
2: starfleet academy
1: you're right yeah, so I mean, my other Easter eggs, obviously, had was the Nova Squ- Nova Squadron. Yep, um, including and, Wesley. Unnamed, yeah, and, and Wesley Crusher. He was another one, and ceto, Yep, right? yep. And then they were talking about the Starburst Starburst maneuver, and he had it on his little iPad as well. Yep. And did they Did they name the dude? I think he had a speaking line at the very beginning. The Josh. Josh. Josh was them, the one that so. dies. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was in there too, but yeah, and uh, uh, pretty much.
2: It also, I don't know if it's, this one occurred to uh, you guys, but the, when they did the, the recap for the season at the beginning, they sort of showed all the, the stuff that led up to sort of set the table for this episode. And then uh, we heard Jonathan Frake say, and now the conclusion, which is exactly what happened in the original two-parter in TNG, right? When, uh, when we have uh, the, the Borg, right? The episode with the, where Locutus first shows up. So that was kind of how they did the, the beginning of that episode with uh, the exact same line. I don't know if they actually got him to re-record it or if it was actually the same one, but that made me laugh because there was no reason to have freaks there other than the fact that it was funny. Yeah. Well, since you got your quotes here, like... Yeah. So the the one you referenced, Tim. So the exchange between Rutherford and Boimler is uh, Rutherford says... He looks like tom paris and boimler just gl- glances it off and says i don't see it and then they do another couple of other lines and then they come back and rutherford says they have like the exact same face they're identical and boimler says no i just don't see it and of course referencing the fact that robert duncan McNeil played both parts and plays uh has played tom paris on lower decks and now yeah. has played lucarno on on lower decks so it's, obviously it's a joke on a joke on a joke which is even funnier so right. yeah that was pretty good um uh, i referenced the uh the mariner <laughs> choosing to uh steal the the miniature genesis genesis device and make it her first officer she says you are my first officer yay little buddy no exploding right. <laughs> that was funny yeah um Lacarno, when talking about you know uh well if you don't like the way i run things you can always go back to the romulans romulans are famously forgiving right yeah um uh, Miglimo when he gets into the uh the fighting pit against the giant uh warrior Orion woman beeth. Madam, please, perhaps we can settle this over a delicious bowl of slime. Mm. Uh but the best line was the was the Locarno's famous last words They put a paywall on a bomb? Stupid for <laughs> <rent."> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> to turn it off, please insert two strips of gold pressed latinum. Yeah. Um, Any other
0: good quotes you had, Jaime? I was uh, amused by the Orion uh, I demand barter by combat.
1: That was pretty good. You're right.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I should have had that.
1: Yeah, there's always a way out of these situations, right? Yeah,
2: barter by combat. combat. Well, and that brings us... It brings us well into the the big question that i had which was uh, so as part of this and we mentioned the uh, the giant orion ship we mentioned the trial by combat the part of this episode was the fact that they had to go and engage the orions to try and find a way to uh get their support and in the end what it costs is tendy has to leave the cerritos at the end of the episode and go and uh, go home to to rejoin the orion syndicate and so my big question obviously this is the end of a season we've seen this before we saw boimler leave and go off onto a different ship We've seen uh, different, you know, uh, we saw Mariner leave, uh, you know, where are we? So this is Tendy. So how long before we see Tendy back with the gang on the Cerritos? Or is Talin the new number four on this gang?
1: Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tendi's like, she was supposed to be the, the, new queen or whatever right after her mum or whatever but is that her sister that's on the throne
2: yeah we saw her in a previous episode uh, the one earlier this season where uh, she goes and her sisters they think that she's been ritually kidnapped as part of this wedding ceremony and it turns out that she doesn't want to do that and yeah so we, we saw that whole sort of episode that gave us the backstory into uh, Tendy's life a little bit and here we get sort of the you know, we've seen her wield her power as this, you know, very important person within the syndicate before. Even though she's doing it for Starfleet's behalf, and we see her mm-hmm. do it here, but the price that she pays for that is is much higher. Where she basically says, "You know, I- I'll I'll do what you want, and I'll come back, and I'll be part of the family." And they're like, "Yeah, that's too good to pass up." So, right? Yeah, to D- Erica, I think is her sister.
0: Ten D two, no can do. Ten D two.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. No can do 102. Um I also didn't mention the the part where they get the uh, Orion battleship and they're trying to figure out what, how to prioritize and we have uh Livic versus uh Rutherford. Now we've seen this rivalry between the two engineers play out right. in a previous episode. Uh but when they decide that they, you know, oh, we have to prioritize the engines. No, we have to prioritize the shields. No, we have to present that. And then talin says there's only one way to settle this and the two of them end up in the holodeck. Uh, with the the, the Twain compromise once again, uh, yes. again couldn't I couldn't stop laughing. It was just so stupid and funny. It's just it's, it's just such a dumb premise, but it just it's so funny. All right, well, all in. So this episode uh, wraps up season four. We talked all season long about this sort of, you know, it, there wasn't a huge like each episode had a little tease, a little taste of this sort of larger Locarno building the, the Nova uh, force, but we didn't, uh, Mm -hmm. didn't overwhelm the season, but did kind of give us something to sort of tie it all together. Uh, How do you guys feel about the whole fourth season as, uh, as one
1: whole now? Yeah, no, it was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't a huge, like long narrative um, season, long narrative, but it did have sort of a, I guess it was meant to be like a glue that kind of combines all the episodes together even though the the actual stealing of the ships wasn't part of the plot even the a or b or c plot right it was sometimes part of the cold opener and that it was interesting it was was, i guess it's a good way to get people to stick with the whole season to find out i don't know yeah i mean i thought thought it was a
2: nice way to sort of keep a larger narrative moving without intruding on what they just want to do which is make people laugh with star trek references right
1: well and this this show has a format of like 40 minutes and it's done kind of you know, the old original series um, format where they, they, I guess, well, I guess Next Generation did that too, where they would introduce a conflict and then they would have it resolved by the end of the, the, the episode kind of thing, right?
2: Although I will say, right. I was I was reflecting on that after I, after I finished this, thinking, wow, I can't believe we've got 40 episodes of this series now. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely become one of my very favorite star trek things that's ever ever existed and i thought yeah it's interesting because we we have seen actually some interesting character development you know yeah. not just obviously our core four but you know we've seen some really interesting developments across uh, a lot of other supporting characters and the sort of larger universe of of trek and you know for a you know occasionally goofy, thoroughly irreverent, uh, although not thoroughly irreverent, I guess it is pretty irreverent, uh, look at the Star Trek universe, uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's come a long ways, and it's really good.
0: Harmy, yep. I mean, what are your final thoughts? I enjoyed the season. Um, I don't know that it uh, necessarily elevated the art or the series, but it's still a really, I think, solid performance. I don't think I was ever bored by any of the episodes. I feel like they're uh, in a good rhythm here. I think there were some folks online that wanted uh, uh, maybe things to get more hype or something, but it, it feels like it was more about personal growth for the various characters. Um, we see, you know, Mariner growing. We see uh, some growth in, in Tendi and Rutherford and even like just how uh, sort of upset they were to be leaving each other, even if they don't want to state it to each other, they don't recognize it. Um, you know, Boimler is, is showing that he's uh somebody who can be more than just a try-hard. I mean, he got to, to captain a ship for a while now and and try to look all cool and, and do the right job of it. Uh Tillin, of course, learning uh, as a Vulcan and, and coming into Starfleet and not being totally dependent on what uh like the Vulcan High Command might think of her kind of thing. Um and I guess in kind of a literal level, like they still think of themselves as the lower deckers, but they're uh, they're upper deckers now right <laughs> as i stated before they're they're all promoted now to lieutenant's junior grade so um i don't know i think i was pretty satisfied by this I, I can't say that i i watched any of these and felt disappointed no no i i think i think it gives you
2: exactly what you're expecting it's giving you a, a bunch of laughs some fun star trek action
1: and you know i don't know if you can ask much more of that right and i mean now that like you point out there's there's 40 episodes or something, yeah. so, you know, now that it goes into syndication, doesn't matter when you pick it up and watch it, you can just sit down and enjoy an episode and not have to worry about, you know, I mean, there are, like you said, there are some uh, arc, character arcs, but, like, you can sit down and watch any one of these episodes and and have a laugh, right?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and obviously we've come to really like these characters over the course of time, you know, uh, but I think it's going to be interesting to, you're right. I think in the same way that if they're, you know, not that most people sit down and just watch TV anymore where you, you know, you watch what's on. But if I sat down and flipped over to Paramount Plus, I would have no issue being like, oh, I just want something light tonight. I'm going to watch, you know, a handful of episodes from season two of Lower Decks. You can't really go wrong.
0: Now, a word from our sponsor. Now, back to the
1: show. Cool. I'm going to move on to Loki. Yes. Right. So this is what? Science fiction? Name of the episode? Loki season two, episode five? Science slash fiction? Science slash fiction. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, go get f- your-
2: I'll go first this time for the elevator pitch. Uh, well, the show may be over, but you can always get the
0: band back together.
1: All right. pens. Get the pens back. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very similar in spirit to my... Uh, Loki gets the gang back together just
1: in the nick of time. Ooh, I like <laughs> nick of time. That's good. Good, good wordplay. Yeah. Mine, mine was just, you know, origin stories pretty much. Yeah, it's we interesting that we find out where everybody comes from in this one.
2: So is that your take on it? Is the idea that this is where they were originally from?
1: Like each one of these people, this is where they were plucked from to become members of the TVA? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting that that uh, for Oboro's his... Uh, there might have been a season a show maybe in the in the um in the you know the before time what do you call the recap right Mm. where they showed his workshop and it's all the the shelves are all have like a curved wood kind of look to them and then when he's in his original uh, abandoned missile silo place where he's doing his work it's the same room right yeah yeah so yeah it's interesting i mean but it's like i I said last week, it's probably going to be a bunch of time jumps, you know, back and forth and back and forth and loops. And, and it was for Loki, like he kept looping, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, I, but
2: involuntarily then, through this, he kept getting pulled from place true. to place and meeting everybody over does, and over again.
1: By the end of it, he does figure out how to control it, right? That's the difference. Yep. Because right? yep. all season long, he's not been able to control those those time slipping. Yep. It's,
2: it's fun to see, obviously, the the ways that they reimagine these characters too, because you get used to who you get used to, obviously, you know, when we see Mobius in his real life, he's sort of a beleaguered uh, fa- a single father to really kind of uh, rambunctious kids. He, of course, works at the at the jet ski shop, which we're not surprised to hear. And then, you know, that one, you're yeah. like, okay, that's pretty on the nose. And even Ob, when you, you know, see Ouroboros, and of course, he's this, you know, sort of wannabe science fiction writer who's actually a a astrophysics teacher and you're like okay well that checks out and then you get you know hunter b-15 who's actually a doctor and you get casey who's a criminal trying to escape from 1960s alcatraz um it's funny to sort of you know those i was like wow casey is different
1: (laughs) he's actually he's actually the Birdman from alcatraz that was the character that um Frank, right? And and including the way he, the beginning part where they, that's almost like an Easter egg, the way he uh, pulls the wall apart. That's what the Birdman did. He made a paper mache part of the wall to make it look like great. And then, yeah. And the whole escaping through the, the, you know, the water tunnel or the water closet, as it's called, or the, you know, the, where all the pipes run in between, that's literally, it lifted right out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they always, they never did find them. So now we know why, because, you know, came along and took him into the future that's it that's it yep. not the
2: highest level of pew 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 in this one although i definitely had the uh, the moment where we see uh sylvie goes into the record shop and uh mm, and she's yeah. supposed to be in the 1980s and she's sitting facing away from the front window and she's put she puts on the velvet underground's uh loaded album uh, which I will get to very quickly in our Easter eggs, but she puts that on. So, of course, they're playing Oh Sweet Nothing, which is a classic song. And then we see the spaghettification start of her timeline. And mm-hmm. as it's creeping through and we see the proprietor running towards her, I thought that was really well done, like really cool effects. And to have that with Oh Sweet Nothing playing, because it's such a perfect song for that. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. That was a pretty awesome
0: scene. Yeah, yeah. I second that one. I, was like, I do declare this gentleman has the finest selection of his pew pew pew's this week.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I called it the velvet the velvet spaghettification. Yeah. Um Easter egg hunt. So um, the first one was when Sylvie and Loki go to the bar and they start Oh, have to hang on a sec. my dog's going off.
1: All right. I'm fine. Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Carry on. You don't hear them barking.
2: Okay, I just want to make sure they went because they're both going off. Okay, uh, so when Loki and Sylvie are in the bar, he goes and meets her in the timeline. She's the only one who can remember who she is and and where she's from because, right. of course, she's she's been there. So this is her choice, right? This is where she wants to be. Is is back in Oklahoma and Roxton, and she's still working at the McDonald's. And the two of them go to the bar and have a bourbon. And uh, the scene starts with a cut in on the zaniac video game and of course zaniac nice. ties into the uh the larger story we saw earlier on in episode two with uh, brad the character of course brad's playing uh you know the zaniac and so we hear brad's voice uh in that scene which is very very funny um i'll get to that one in the quotes and um Yeah, that was that was going to neat little funny callback that, you know, obviously these aren't the only people on their on their timelines that obviously people like Brad ended up back on on his as well. Um, Oh, sweet nothing. Okay, so so she drops uh, the original uh, vinyl of Velvet Revolvers loaded on. She puts the needle down and she puts it on track one Uh, that is a huge mistake because that is not track one on that album which is one of my all-time favorite Mm -hmm. albums uh that is the last song on side two so Screw you, Marvel, because that was so violently wrong. I was just like, no, 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 no. Wait, hold yelling. on, hold on
0: here. But in which branch are we talking about there? Oh, my you God. double check that. Oh, my God. Yes. A-sides are B-sides, B-sides are A-sides, up is down, left is right. <laughs> that is true. That's hey, true. Hey, if you
2: can still go to It'd McDonald's and get a hot apple pie, then I think you should still be able to listen to uh, one of the all-time classic Velvet Underground albums in
1: the right you order. You know what? At A&W, you can get a hot apple pie. Like one of those deep fried suckers? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. There's an a not too far. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. That's a good project. <laughs> I hope you yeah, do no that here. All right. Well, class
2: adjourned, and uh, we're out of here.
0: Yeah.
1: I noticed that last week it was an A&W. Yeah. Uh,
2: and the last Easter egg that I had was uh, the post. I don't know if you guys waited, watched all the credits, but at the end of no. the credits, there was actually a post-credit. We're not going to call it scene, but we hear uh, we hear that same voice from the Zaniac machine. We hear Brad's voice yell loser, Uh, which was very funny. It's just a nice little callback. uh, I I happen to have just left it on. So I caught it. But I saw people posting about that today, saying that that this was a thing that uh, that for some reason they felt the need to include that in the uh, in the post credits.
0: Yeah, I didn't get this one because Disney Plus sometimes and and it's i guess not fair to single them out it's true of every service that somehow hasn't figured out how to program in like uh chapters or something into their service you know Mm -hmm. they try to push you onto the next next thing thing, yeah so it's like oh 20 seconds to go it's about to start some random thing that they think you like it was like well yeah i think oh okay cool i guess it's over um but i didn't hear the stinger and uh so, uh, so I had to like learn about it. And I was like, what? No, I didn't see anything. Oh, okay. So I found a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> added, I was, okay, thanks. Yeah. And I'm again, sure it's, not, I it's not out.
2: like a momentous one. It's just funny. Right. But uh, yeah, that was pretty good.
0: Any other Easter eggs from you fellas? No, no, I think you, I think you covered it. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't really mark anything down for these. Mm-hmm. Uh, best quote, a couple of good ones this week uh, <laughs> from OB. You can't, it's impossible,
2: but don't let that stop you uh and and then when getting some gobbledygook sci-fi uh explainy time uh loki just looks at Obi and says i don't understand what you've just said that was uh you know the moment i think all of us have had while watching science fiction movies like that's just gobbledygook that just came out of your head why are you why are you putting those words together Mm-hmm. um when we see Lo- uh, mobius outside of his house with his uh his wild and crazy sons he yells at his one son sean go get him come on hurry and if you keep him from burning down the house i'll get you a puppy
1: yeah
2: um from the from the video game machine Xenia craves blood from, from brad that was just again just you know apropos of nothing but it was so stupid and funny um from Sylvie. Of course I'm selfish. I want a life. I want to live. What's wrong with wanting something, Loki? Uh, that was pretty poignant. Uh, Loki, when uh, when everybody comes back together, the pens, we have all the pens. And then uh, Loki's sort of final line. It's not about when, where or why. It's about who. I can rewrite the story. Um, which throws me right into my big question, which is, how would you rewrite all this? If if the idea is that Loki is now going to go back to the TVA, he can control his time slipping. And the idea is he's going to go and he knows the story that we've seen and is going to change it along the way. How do you how do you tie this back to get to the point where
0: things are going to be all right? Hmm. No idea. I hadn't thought about it from that angle. Yeah, I, I did have this as my big question of like, when, where does Loki go back to? to try to get things in the right order now yeah i mean is he is he going back
2: to season one stuff is he going back to just the stuff that we've seen at the tba this season you know is he going back to you know anywhere along the timeline what's what what do you do when you realize that this is the only way forward to go backwards i wonder uh i mean obviously we need to see This next episode, the final episode of this season, and probably the series, I don't see them really having a need to do a a third season if this is all sort of tying into the larger uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty and all that other stuff. Um, You know, I think... It'll be interesting to see how all this shifts from we need to save the TVA, we need to get all these timelines sorted out, we need to save everybody, and then also how do we set things up for what's supposed to come next, because it's no, I think, coincidence that the next episode of this is the final episode, and it happens to come out right when the Marvels comes out, and those are the last two Marvel projects this year, and then we're sort of setting, setting ourselves up for the next phase, which is going to include those two new Avengers movies and everything
0: else. Yeah, I do. Um, I do start to think that uh, some of these shows, not Loki in, in particular, because I think they they had a lot of glue to put here um, for the, the larger series. And I do have enjoyed these. I'm starting to think that maybe some of these series should be more like one offs. You know, uh, here's this light, interesting story that can add some things uh, to the broader uh, phase plan. Again, like I don't think you should have to watch Loki to understand. What's going on? I think you should enjoy it more, especially if somebody like Ob shows up in the background or helps out or something. Um, I think you still need it to have it be people can understand coming into it from through the movies. I think for series is like, dude, if you, you join in season two, like you you, you got to go back and watch season one. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. But uh, these are, I think, pretty good because they've you know it, it's easy to forget this is this is the Loki that escaped, right? Uh, this isn't the one who died. This is the the one who, when they did all the tiny, whiny stuff to get the the stones and bring everything back in uh, Endgame, this is the Loki who escaped, and that's why he got picked up as a variant by the TBA in the first place. I think they've done a pretty spot on job for somebody who is uh, arguably not the same character that we uh, we knew from the very beginning.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they land this. I, I must admit, I was I felt like the first two or three episodes were they're good, but I don't think they were to the standard that we saw during the first season. But I really have mm-hmm. felt like the last couple have been very strong. So I'm I'm hoping they can stick the landing on this one. Because the last episode, if you'll recall, of of the first season was just a monster.
1: They just crushed that. So
2: yeah. hopefully they have uh, something good for us to wrap all this up next week.
1: Yeah, hopefully they figured out the spaghettification sp- 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 angle.
2: I just want them to have to do more scenes like that. It's such a cool
1: effect. Yeah, it is pretty neat looking thing. All righty. Move on to the watch list. Yup. Right. How many are up first? Mine, I have uh,
0: Washington's Dream, which is a, a brilliant sketch from Saturday Night Live with uh, Nate uh, Bargatze, or Bargatze, I forget how his name is pronounced. Yeah, I think it's Bargatze, um, yeah. Starring as a uh, Revolutionary War era, George Washington, talking about his dream, or uh, how if we're, if we're brave one day... We'll remove the U from British words like color and, <laughs> and armor, but by God, we will keep that U in glamour. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll play a, a sport called football where uh, you throw a ball with your hands and uh, when asked, is there kicking? He's like, there's a little kicking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I thought this might be great given some of the, uh, you know, cultural sharing that we do here. I going to Canada and the United States.
2: Yeah. Some mm-hmm. some good-natured ribbing by our, our neighbors. That last week's episode of... I think it was his most recent uh, weekend, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like... Is he
1: like Bad Bunny or something like that?
2: No, that was the week before. Nate Bargazzi's oh, the stand-up. Uh, really uh, funny stand-up. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah this
1: is a good solid yeah. watch because it
0: does go from uh, a, a few people in the the comments called out it like it goes from like dramatic tone to flat tone, just completely deadpan on some of these things. Nice. Uh especially mm-hmm. when Keenan Thompson keeps asking me like, well what about the slaves? Like, I heard you ask about weights and measures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard you ask about temperature. <laughs> You're just completely yeah. bypassing the whole like uh what about uh you know freedom for the slaves topic. <laughs> That's funny.
1: All right, so it looks like Jonathan and I are tag-teaming on Gen V. mm mm-hmm, yeah, the final episode dropped on Thursday, so uh, we have all eight, and uh,
2: this was a doozy of an ending.
1: Oh, I didn't see the eighth one. Is that the one where Homelander shows up?
2: That's the final one, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. spoilers, just throw it out there for people. Was,
1: yeah. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting, really interesting, um, uh, well done, like, I mean, not, not kind of, I mean... It was it's the same sort of tone as in in a sense as um, uh, the boys, but it's it's much more like high school angst and teenage angst kind of stuff. And
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely got that sort of uh, first year of high uh, first year of college kind of feel to it. But um, yeah, there's lots of blood rushing to
1: heads and stuff like that. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I thought uh, as a whole, this it's not as strong as the boys, but then given mm-hmm. the you know, the level of performance that we've seen, you know, uh, whether it's Carl Urban or obviously, uh, um, oh what's the the man who plays Homelander? He's so good. Oh, God, it's going to bug me. But um, yeah. we've, uh, we've been lucky enough to see so many strong performances and so many strong moments in that show that, you know, I think elevates it maybe just a little bit beyond this. Uh, Anthony Starr. Yeah. Sorry, that's the um, yeah, man oh, I'm yeah. trying to remember, who was just so fantastic. Jack Quaid, of course. And yeah, so we've we've kind of gotten spoiled by that this i thought you know a lot of these young performers were really strong i thought the the young woman who played um uh little cricket little cricket yeah was yeah. a very Perfect. strong she definitely made an impression on me as you know who is this i've never seen her before but uh, but i really enjoyed uh her and um but i think overall the quality of performance was probably what knocks it down just a peg and it's not as big in its scope which again is it's that's it's hard to match right and what's happening on the boys but as a a companion product as a sort of another look at that world you know there was a little bit of crossover you mentioned obviously the one cameo that we saw in this one we saw it wasn't just the only one we've seen some other cameos throughout the season and then and then in this episode uh in in the stinger at the end we we definitely get a pretty good cameo um to sort of tease a second season so they they've said you use this episode to set up what is likely going to be a second season for this and and i don't think i've seen an announcement but i would expect we will at some point obviously given the actor's strike and stuff they don't uh necessarily rush out the door with that kind of stuff but it um yeah i thought it was overall like an entertaining watch i would uh, i would definitely watch a second season of this
1: yeah the young guy who plays uh sam the the one character with all the major angst he's he was really good i thought yeah yeah
2: no there's uh there's definitely a lot of there there so i think it's um yeah It's funny as i was looking i looked this up last week so uh lizzie broadway is the young woman who plays um emma who is little cricket right um jaz sinclair plays marie moreau she's very good i thought the the um across the board they were really good but the one that it caught me off guard i didn't realize um Luke, the uh, golden boy character, was played by Patrick yeah. Schwarzenegger as Arnold Schwarzenegger's kid. Uh, oh, did, really? did not realize that that was a Schwarzenegger. He does not look as much like his dad as he does like his mom. But uh, yeah, interesting.
1: Lucky guy. Yeah.
2: And uh, Sam, the character you mentioned, that's uh, Asa, Asa, Asa German. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think across the board, it was it an was entertaining show and definitely uh, um, worth the worth look if you're a fan of the world.
1: Yeah, and I'm trying to, I saw the the one actress who plays the the, the other blood. Um, oh yeah, well she uh, was like she was blood from the boys, right? Blood wrangler. Yeah, she. I saw her on the street because they were filming a, a scene here. Mm. Yeah, for, I guess for for an upcoming season of the boys, there's a house on our street or on Langley that they use as as one of the houses um, huh. in the show. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, was, Claudia Dumanik, and she walking back and forth in the seventies power suit you know oh yeah Hand suit. Nice.
2: nice nice yeah this i mean uh, i think i mentioned it in the previous episode but obviously uh this episode takes place a lot of it is outdoors and it's it's on the campus of mississauga uh, campus of university of toronto that's like oh is that U of T? it's oh, U, really? utm it's yeah it's U, U U university of Toronto's mississauga campus you like it's comedic how much it like it's not even like for me it's not hidden I mean, at all yeah. um and that's like 4k from my house um. So yeah, I've
1: well, I've never been there, so I don't know.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't think the only like campus existed when I was going to go to UFT. Oh no, maybe it did. Yeah, it's it's up on Mississauga Road, right?
2: Yep, it's Mississauga Road right at uh, Dundas.
1: Yeah, yeah, north of north yep. of Mississauga. Yeah, yep. Okay, I have been there. Yeah, I, I used to have a friend who lived across the street. Yep. Cool. And what's your other pick there, John? My
2: other pick? Yeah, so so today is the, uh, the debut of the second season of Invincible. So uh, speaking of Amazon, they seem to be on a little bit of a run here with some decent product. Uh, so yeah, the uh, second season drops today. We did obviously get the sort of tweener episode that focused on Adam Eve character uh, that came out around Comic-Con this summer. But here we actually get to pick up where we left off, which is, uh, of course, the huge fight that ended last season between Omni-Man and invincible or mark and his dad Uh, so it's uh it'll be interesting to see uh for people who haven't read the comic, which obviously I, I was a I'm a, a long time reader. I have I've read it since the beginning. So, um, but it's still it's it's amazing to see how they're how they're bringing it to to uh, you know a cartoon form and and these great voice performances and this great animation. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how people react to uh, Mark and the world sort of picking up the pieces after what is essentially the Superman character of this Omni Man uh, going berserk, you know, killing people. Uh, and beating his own son to within an inch of his life. Um, how, how do you come back from that? Right. And that's sort of the the crux of what we're going to see in season two is how does Mark pick up the pieces? How does his family pick up the pieces? How does earth pick up the pieces when its greatest hero turns its back on, on the planet? Right. And uh, I, I took a look today to sort of see how they were going to do this. Often Amazon uh, will drop sort of two, three episodes to sort of get you kicked off, and then we'll see more sort of trickle out after that. Uh, but today they dropped one episode, so uh, we're only, we're going to get them week by week, and we're going to get them a nice slow trickle. So uh, I imagine that is probably a different take uh, based on the fact that they don't have as much content given the writer strike and everything else. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this
0: uh, how this comes together. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that, too, because I knew they were going to do four and then do a break. I think we had talked about. Yep. So I was like, well, am i they going to drop all of them and then have a break. Nope. They're going to nope. stretch it out.
2: Yep. You're going to get your four four episodes in four weeks and then you're going to get a break. And then in early 2024, you'll get the, the next four.
1: Cool. Well I guess that's it for another week. So Jonathan, if people will get touch with you, where they find you? Uh well you can find me on Twitter or X and Instagram as at
2: JPK News, or you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash at JPK, or I might be on the floor of my office here passed out from being sick.
1: Right. And I may mean, be people get in touch with you where they find you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. My name is T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine, the Mastodon machine, the blue sky machine instagram machine all those places where you'll find me and so next time we'll see you in the future bye bye bye
0: you've been listening to the spotcast podcast
1: going to Mr. campus campus to the woods is your firstborn going to the woods
2: no no he's going to um humber which is up uh oh, up by the Lumber airport college, right yeah yeah i um yeah and even if uh he, he's he's starting out with the college program and then he's going to sort of see how he does there and whether or not he wants mm-hmm. to continue his education because there are like the continue you cannot go from one to the other um So to to explain that, Jaime, our college and university system is different here in Canada. The college system is more like what they would call a community college in uh, America. And then uh, university here would be uh, more of like the larger scale uh, colleges. But what they call college. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he's essentially doing the, the sort of the more accessible grounded level, uh, sort of hands-on learning applied technology kind of stuff in the program he's doing. And then if he decides he wants to do something beyond that, he'll go to the next level, uh, once he finishes this program. But, uh, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's, uh, doing quite well. He just finished his midterms and got really good grades and, uh, seems to be enjoying himself. He's, Doing extracurricular stuff, trying to, you know, get out there and learn even more. And yeah, it's, it's kind of fun oh, fun to watch your kids fly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, three, Bob. Well, I lost a whole six hours worth of work today, so I've a Oof. lot of catching up to do tonight.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't have a lot left in me, so <laughs> maybe pull the plug on this one sooner than later.
1: Sure. Somebody asked me today if I'm going to go see the Marvels movie. I hadn't even thought about that.
2: Yeah, it comes out next Thursday.
1: Is it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway.
2: Probably eventually.
1: Yeah. All right. All right.
2: Have, Have, a, a, good to you later. Have a good weekend, guys. Talk to you later. All right. hey, bye. 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 Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it